Hi guys and girls, it's Tom Panos here. I've got with me John Peranchi, fresh after just winning the award, number one real estate agent as awarded by the Australian Business Awards recently. Welcome, John. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Mate, uh, that's pumped in all of Australia to be recognised with that award. You must feel good. Yeah, over the moon. Um, pleasantly surprised. I was up against some uh, some good company. I had you know, my good mate Wayne Vaughan in the finals and James Tostevin. So to be mentioned in the same sort of um, paragraph as those guys was, was great. But to win the award, wow. Yeah, over the moon. Pumped. Extraordinary. So hopefully in the next 20 minutes we're going to uh, get into the way that you think, the way that you act because there are thousands of real estate agents there that are constantly looking at people like you and saying that one day that can be me. And that's what hopefully that we get out of today's conversation, just to share a bit of those traits and behaviours. For those that don't know you, John, can I just get a short one-minute version of your real estate career to date? Sure. Um, started just over 20 years ago. Was actually walking down to the CES looking for a job. And a mate of, my, mate of mine's uh, dad had an office in Ride, Zara Real Estate. And David saw me and he goes, mate, what are you doing? I said, I'm just going to look for a job. And he goes, you know, people, you live in the area, do you want a job in real estate? I said, yeah, why not? So that's where I started. I worked out of um, Zara Real Estate for about a year and a half, then went on to work with Tony Abood at, uh, back then was Richardson and Wrench, which is now Snowden Parks. I did five years at Ray White at Ride, and um, I've been with, uh, with McGrath now for 13 years. Okay, and during that time, you've consistently been awarded as one of the top McGrath agents, you know, and averaging one and a half million bucks in fees or thereabouts. So, uh, outstanding. Can I ask you what your current business looks like now? You work out of the Hunters Hill office? Yeah, Tom, I'm, I'm based out at Hunters Hill. My, my trade areas are basically Glazeville, um, Putney and Tennyson Point. Uh, I think I've got about 2,800 homes. I, I mainly look after homes in the area. Um, I have a team of, of three plus myself. So I've got a, a Pete who's my buyers manager. He, he basically um, works with buyers. Um, I have a Regina who's just joined us as a PA marketing person. So she'll run my diary. She'll go through the photo shoots. She'll ensure that our, our vendors are, are involved in the proofing process. And then I've got young Emily who basically takes care of all the admin, all the running around, building and pest reports, etc., etc. All the non-dollar productive activity. Okay, so you've got a, a pod of three people that uh, work with you. Yep. Um, now let's go on and I want to ask, um, what are your main ways of getting into listing opportunities? What do you think are the reasons why you get called out? Yeah, it's. Um, I think I, I realised a long time ago, probably when I did join McGrath, um, that I was in this for the long run. So for me, it wasn't about the next deal. It was about sort of um, building a relationship with, with the people that I come into um, not only do business with, but people I meet at open for inspections, etc., etc. So for me, it was just making sure that I provide outstanding service, and I realised that a long time ago. Um, for me, it's not about this sale, it's about the next sale that I can get from there and the referral and so on and so forth. So it's, it's not uncommon to get a phone call um, today from someone who I met seven or eight years ago um, for them to say, listen, John, you may not remember us. We met you in an open house seven or eight years ago. You were the only one that followed us up. You were nice to us. We've, got, we've since bought a place, not off you. Can you come and sell it for us? So I think um, just making sure that the customer service was, was high on my agenda. 
Okay, well, there's always a saying that I hear uh, agents say over and over again, and that is the best form of prospecting is good service. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's you know, that's that's my, one of John McGrath's big things. So that's one of the big things that I learned 13 years ago when I joined John. Um, and I, I still carry that on today. I think customer service is, is what it's all about. And, yeah, with, with, you know, the market's pretty strong at the moment. Um, there are a lot of buyers out there. And, and one of the things that we get on a Monday or a Tuesday when we're calling back our buyers from the weekend is like, you guys are the only people that are calling us back. I think because the market's so good, agents are probably neglecting their buyers a little bit, just saying, right. I've just got to turn up to auction, it's going to sell. Um, we've taken a different approach and, and thought, okay, well, let's, let's make sure that we, we, we build relationships with these people because these people will buy and in five, six, seven, eight years' time, they're going to want to sell and I want them to be calling me. Okay, what do you say to uh, a real estate agent that is actually uh, earlier on in their process because you've earned the right of having people to call you back because over the last 10, 15 years, you've provided, provided great service yep. and these people, when they're ready to sell or they've got a friend to sell, you've left them as a raving fan yep. and they contact you. What about to the person that is been going for one year or six months or two years and they haven't got the ability to have people lining up. What, what do you say to them? Yeah, that's um, pro- probably, first and foremost, um, surround yourself with the right people. Right. You know, um, you, need to be, you need to be speaking to people that, um, it's like playing tennis. When you play tennis or squash, yeah. you play squash against someone who's not so good, you know what, you drop to their level. Yeah. When you're playing against someone who's, who's really good, you lift. And I think the same could be said in business or real estate. So make sure that you're speaking to the right people, you're working for the right organisation. Um, don't look at training as, oh, I've done my training for the year, that's it. Look for opportunities to, to speak to people, to meet people, to go and attend training sessions. I think, um, I, I think you need to stick to a core area. Yeah. Don't move all over the place. Stick to a core, focus on that core, and don't compromise. You know, you, 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 you're building a brand. You may not know it after a year, but you are building a brand in five or six years' time in the industry, in the same area. People are going to re- ring you. They're not going to ring the office. Yeah. Um, so don't compromise. Don't compromise on your service. Don't compromise on your fee. You know, walk away from the, the occasional listing if you feel it's going to be bad business. And that's difficult as someone new because you, you just want the listing, you want the signboard, you want to put a, a, you know, a mark on the board to say, hey, I've got a listing. Um, but they're, they're probably the, the, the important things. Then there's all the um, you know, things. Try and get a PA yeah. as quickly as you can. At, at, at what stage, John, do you suggest getting a PA? Because a lot of people say, is, I can't afford a PA. I mean, where the other side of it is, is you need a PA to get you to a stage where you can uh, have a, a proper business. Yeah, of course. Hey, you know what it's like, mate. You go back, and I know what I was like as, as a young kid in real estate. As soon as I can uh, afford a, had a choice to get a PA or a fancy car, mate, I've got, I've got a fancy car. Yeah. So try and um, bypass the fancy car initially yeah. because the PA in the long run will make you a whole lot more money than what the fancy car will. The fancy car may make you feel good, but the PA is going to, um, if you handle it correctly and you've got the right person there, 
will allow you to focus on what it is that you should be doing and not worrying about all the, once again, the non-dollar productive activities. Okay, so there's a few key points there. I just want to highlight because I think they were absolutely golden tips, golden nuggets. And the first one there is the, the law of association, your reference group. Hang around with people that stretch you, that make you better. You're comparing yourself to people that are better and you strive and you learn from them. The other thing that uh, John uh, made a point of is don't think that the grass is greener all the time. Get into an area and it's like a success queue. You queue up and you line up and you earn the right to be their agent. Uh, by becoming an attraction agent, by being visible, by being seen. Um, and then the third thing that you said is um, treat it like a business and by the sounds of it is that uh, instead of taking all the profits um, and enjoying it on toys and holidays, that put them back into your business because investing in an assistant is going to give you an opportunity to list, sell, negotiate and grow your business even further. And that's what gets someone to write over a million bucks, isn't it? It is, but it also allows them, by having a good PA, it allows you to take longer holidays. And when you're on holidays, you know that there's someone back at the office doing the right thing. You're driving around in a fancy car with no PA. You can't go away, and if you do go away, you're worried that you're missing out on something. Right. Yeah. Your, in terms of PAs, was there a, a time in your life, uh, um, in your real estate career, that is the right time to do it when you're writing 300 grand a year, 400 grand a year, or? Well, how do you judge it? Um, it's a tough one because I think everyone's going to be in, in slightly different circumstances. And yeah, as soon as you can afford it, um, not when you get too busy because by then it's too late. You know, if you can see that you're sort of, you know, your numbers are increasing monthly and you're doing the right things and you're here for the long run, as soon as you can afford to put a PA on, put them on. Right. Okay. Not when it's too late. A lot of people wait until it's too late. I probably waited until it was too late, and if I had my time again, I would have done it earlier. Now, it's too late when you're too busy, because then you know trying to train someone when you're too busy just gets more and more difficult. And you know what it's like, you ask them to do something, they may not get it right, so you think, stuff it, it's easier for me to do it myself. Yeah. That's what happens when you're too busy. Do it before then, so you've got time to train someone up and you can grow together. And remember that with a PA, you're gonna have a PA and you're gonna ask them to do some prospecting, some admin. Now, most PAs are good at one, not both. Right. So as you grow again, find out what that PA is, um, her, his or her strong points are, push them in that direction. If you need a buyer's agent, then you bring the buyer's agent on. And that's how you grow the team. You know, I started with one, I've, I've now got three, and I could potentially put on another one if, if I needed to. Right. Okay, John, can I ask, what's your best tip advice you can give on working with a PA? You've, you've, you've employed them for a number of years now. Is there any advice you can give to someone hiring their first PA? Let go. Let go. Let go. Yeah, they're going to make mistakes, um, and you know you're going to think, well, the easy thing to do is for me to just do it myself. No, they need to, to understand what the mistake was, um, why it's important they don't get it wrong, and let them sort of figure it out for themselves. And if you, if you assign them a task, just assume that it's going to be done. You you have to, you know, if I was to worry about every little thing that I passed on to my PAs to be done, I was to make sure that you know, you know the report letters were on my desk on a Tuesday and all that sort of stuff. They've got their task, they've got their their ideal days and ideal weeks, they know exactly what to do. So I trust them. Right. And if I didn't trust them, if I don't trust them, well, they shouldn't be working for me. Okay, so be prepared to, to, to delegate Absolutely. and have faith that things are going to be fine. Absolutely. 
Okay, John, um, are you good at the listing presentation? Have you got a high success rate once you're there if they're going to come on the market? Um, if someone's coming on the market, yeah, I, I think we're sort of probably sitting around that 60, 65%, which isn't really, really high, but um, yeah, 60% of the time we'll get the business. Um, it depends on the client, it depends on me. I'm, I'm happy to walk away from business if I don't think it's going to be clean business. What, what do you define as clean business? Well, listen, you know, if, if I'm in sitting in front of a client and they're, they're desperate about negotiating their fee, um, I, I, I don't sense a big motivation. They're not keen on, on getting the presentation right, um, not wanting to pay um, upfront marketing or vendor marketing. Um, and you know, pricing isn't quite right. So I, you just get a feel. You know, you've been around for a while. You get a feel for where. You get a feel for someone who's probably going to give you more trouble than what it's worth. Right. And uh, I think you know, you, you've got to have the courage to walk away from business like that because that's the type of business that brings you down. And what we find is that the the, the properties that where you've discounted your fee are usually the ones that give you the most trouble. Okay, so again, some really great information there about, you know, not all business is good business, that some business is, is an asset and some business are liabilities. Some business is money in the bank and the, 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 some of the components that John used there was he talked about uh, the motivation level of the vendor, he talked about their uh, willingness to really negotiate hard on fee, or the fact that they don't want to invest in marketing, or they don't want to invest in presentation, and your general feeling that um, if that one hour of the listing presentation is going to be like that, what what are the next two months going to be like with exactly. that person? That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, John, can I ask a little bit about your philosophy in uh, marketing? You are a, a, a pretty big user of both uh, the internet and print. Yeah. Um, and even in 2013, you're a big user of the local press. Um, what are some of the tips that you can give to people on, um, you obviously still believe in it for you to, to, to keep doing it? I, I wouldn't use it if, um, if I didn't believe in it. Um, yeah, the internet is, is powerful, but I think at times its um, effectiveness can be a little bit overstated. Uh, don't get me wrong, the internet is important and we've got a, a big web presence, but I, I think you need to, to find a balance with, with your marketing um, and local paper gives us that balance and you know other things like the McGrath magazine and things like that. Yeah, the, the amount of stories I can tell you about buyers coming from the McGrath magazine with local, with local media, just to give you an idea of how it works for me anyway. Now we had a property which we sold um, a couple of weeks ago. Contracts exchanged on the Monday. Yeah. Um, now, off the internet Monday night. Yeah. Went in the local paper, went in the Northern Industry Times on a Wednesday. Yeah. And I was going half page ad. Had a couple of people ring me on the Thursday, sort of saying, oh, we're at the property. Like, I know this has got a soul sign. I've asked the question. I was like, well, I've taken that off the internet. Where did you see it? And they said, oh, we saw it in the local paper. But wow, okay, that's, that's pretty good for a Thursday. Yeah. So I thought I'd better send Pete down to the open for inspection, although the property had sold on the Saturday. Seven people turned up. Right. And all those seven people were purely from the local paper, because they'd been off the internet for a week. They'd been sure. a salt sticker up for a week. These people saw it in the local paper. So it is powerful. It does work in combination with, um, with the internet. How, John, I'm curious. How do you actually uh, uh, present print advertising to a vendor in a listing presentation, you must get vendors that don't want to spend much money in marketing. Absolutely. Um, Tom, the way I see it is this, and I'm, I'm pretty passionate about getting it right. 
Um, and that's what I say to the client, you know, at the end of the day, we're here, we've got one opportunity to get it right. Now, at the end of the day, if someone's looking for a house, for example, in Gladesville, they're going to go on the internet under G and find it in Gladesville. What I'm trying to do with print is, is, is get the person that maybe isn't looking under Gladesville, someone who's coming from out of the area, maybe someone who's, who's only looking at Hunters Hill and didn't think that Gladesville would offer them what they want, or someone coming from a Dremoyne, maybe looking at a two-bedroom semi in Dremoyne, I've got a beautiful three-bedroom federation home in Glazeville for sale. They open it up in the Courier, and they think, wow, I hadn't thought of Glazeville. Let's go over there. Uh, let me ask you, if you were meeting yourself 20 years ago, yep. what would you say to yourself about real estate now? What would you say? What advice would you give John Peranchi 20 years ago? <laughs> Snap out of it. Focus. Focus. Um, it's, it's, it's a... It's a a brilliant way um, to change people's lives, to give you balance, and that's very, very important with me, balance. Have you got balance? Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. Try ringing me on a Friday, my phone, I've got to be diverted. So, can I ask, what does balance look like for John? Does it, does it mean it's a day off a week? Okay. Balance for me is flexibility. Um, balance for me, believe it or not, is structure. I'm, I, I am reasonably structured in what I need to get done on each and uh, each and every day. Balance for me is uh, making sure that I spend time with the kids. For example, this morning, dropping off um, dropping off my daughter to school, you know, picking them up when I can. Um, going away, we're, we're away on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Um, I'll have Friday off. I have just about every Friday off. I'll either be on the golf course or or having a nice long lunch with you know um, some friends or some colleagues. Um, I so you have so generally speaking you have Friday off and Sunday you, and Sunday so you're working five days. Yep. Um, are you on mobile? Uh, on usually when I'm off I divert. So right. if I'm off on a Friday, I might be playing golf or at lunch. My phone will be diverted right. and I'll go to one of my uh, one of my team. Um, Sunday my phone's on but I don't traditionally answer it if I don't have the number. What, uh, John? What? hours do you work those five days? Like, what time do you normally start and finish? Um, it, it just depends on what we've got on, um, how many appointments, etc. So it, it, it's difficult to say because I might be sitting at home watching TV and just, you know, shooting off a couple of emails. Um, or I could get up at, you know, could get up early before I go to the gym, for example. I might be up a little bit early. Kids are having breakfast, uh, breakfast I'll, I'll be in and I'll just, just shoot off some emails. Um, you know, the way I, I plan my day, my appointments are always grouped and I'll have two nights where I'm happy to work late. So I won't be out late Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night. Not going to happen. Right. You know, I love getting home and, and, and having dinner with the kids. So and, late appointments are listing presentations? Yeah. And that, listing presentations or, um, vendor. or vendor meetings. Right. They're probably the only two things or a function. We do a lot of community work. Um, so, you know, every now and then we, 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 we go to a function. Last week we were at the um, opening night for the, the Hunters Hill um, sculptures by, by the sea, uh, I think, down at Hunters Hill. And, you know, we, we do a lot of support with um, a lot of the schools, like Glazeville Public School and, and Baronia Park. Can, can, can I ask, on these, I'm just trying to see how you're fitting it all in. With You do vendor meetings are done face-to-face? -face? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Especially auctions, absolutely. Yeah, weekly or? Weekly. Yeah. Uh, at their at their house, I do it at the house. I try and do it. You know, we do midweek open for inspections. Right. So what I try and do is get there fifteen minutes early. 
or hang around for 15 minutes afterwards. I'm there anyway. Right. So, you know, for me, it just makes sense. You know, Pete, who's my buyer's agent, he'll dock off to the next open. He'll get that set up. I'll hang back and spend 10 or 15 minutes with the owner, give them a good update, and off I go to the next one. Okay. Um, do they get a written report? Absolutely. E so, email or, or, yeah, or...? Communication for me is, um, you know, I say to my clients, I say, listen, Tom, I don't want you to ring me whilst I'm selling your home. The only reason you're ringing me is to return my call or if you've got a question. If you're ringing me, asking me how things are going, I'm not doing my job. Okay, so, so what, yeah, what does it look like for you? Okay, for example, um, the first open for inspection on a Saturday. Soon as we lock up, whilst I'm locking up the house, I'll be on the phone to them. Right. Okay, first point of contact. Uh, Monday, we do all our callbacks. Monday afternoon, there'll be a phone call. Tuesday, report letter. Wednesday will be a phone call or a, or a message. Thursday, face-to-face -face meeting, and obviously after an open for inspection. Friday, they know that unless it's auction day the next day, they're not going to hear from me, unless we're in the middle of negotiating or Peter or someone needs to speak to them. And, and that's pretty much it. We just do that for four weeks. It's not hard. We usually, I usually, you know, apart from Mondays, I try and do all my communication first thing. So once I've got my vendor communication out of the way, you know, it leaves me uh, the rest of the day do all the other stuff. Okay, so just go over that. That is also, that's world-class vendor management. I mean, I know, John, some people don't talk to vendors for weeks, right? And here we're talking about you'll speak to them on the day of the open and give them a bit of feedback straight away because they're hanging out for it. It's the biggest day. You know, they've written out marketing. They want to move. They're, 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 they're waiting. And I'm picturing myself when I was a vendor, I used to look at the phone and I used to look for the agent's number. You know, you're just anxiously waiting there at a cafe for them to call. That's on the Saturday. On the Monday, they do the callbacks, and then John is back giving them feedback. On Tuesday, they're getting a written report. On Wednesday, you're having a conversation again. Um, and then Thursday, you're running into them because of the open. So we're saying here, this is an intimate, very regular conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's like, it's the same with buyers, Tom. You know, you need to... Yeah, with with auctions, I know it, it, you know clearance rates are great at the moment, but still, you know what? We need to keep in touch with our buyers. Every time I speak to a buyer, every time Peter speaks to one of our, our buyers on a property, we're building rapport. We're getting more information, uh, and you know I, I can pretty much assure you that you know if, if I'm turning up to an auction on Saturday and I've got at least one buyer on that property, um, I will get a bid from them, and that's not because of anything, but I think of all the work that we've put in before that day, for all the communication, for setting them up for the auction, um, for explaining the auction process, for letting them know that they could be the only buyer there. And if they are the only buyer there, telling them that they're the only buyer there. Yeah. Um, I, I, think, I think buyers appreciate that, and I don't think buyers get that from agents. Um, so once again, every time we speak to our buyer, we get a little bit more information. We get a better understanding of how much money they've got, what they've missed out on, how long they've been looking, are they ready to buy, etc., etc. So when it comes time for me to negotiate a price for my vendor, I'm dealing with someone who I traditionally have a bit of rapport with and trust. Yeah, yeah, I can see that, John. I can see simple things like telling someone that they're the only bidder there. It's building trust, which means that the next part of your conversation is, wow, I mean, a lot of people are expecting that there's going to be all these games going on on the day of auction and you transparently say you're the only person there. Yeah. Um, John, as we finish up here today, I want to ask you, what is it that agents, like the money that you're writing, you know, one and a half, 
gross comps, bit more, bit less depending on the year. People in general are writing two, three hundred grand a year in commissions. What do they do wrong? And there's some of these people have been doing it for a decade, 15 years. What is it that agents that struggle do wrong? Um, well, first and foremost, they're probably not going to be watching this video. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, the, the amount of people that sort of say, I'm, I'm going to a training session, or I've got, you know, I've got two coaches, or I'm, I'm, I'm you know, for example, the other day, we, we spent time out of the office with my team, just brainstorming, making sure that every step of the process that we do, we're doing right. So I, I think I think salespeople need to learn more, I think, um, and get their skill levels up. In fact, a lot of them probably have the right skill levels, they just don't have the, um, they don't have it up here, it hasn't hasn't clicked yet. I was one of those people. Um, when, when, when did it click? And why do it? Oh, it's funny, Tom. You know, there were certain things in life that happened that I think clicked for me. When I first started at McGrath, it was like, oh my God, I'm working with James Dack and Adrian Bow and Matt LaHood and John McGrath. I can, I can never be like these people. Then slowly I, I sort of began to think, well, you know, maybe I, I could. And then I got married and that was like a little bit of a, a boost. And then I found out I was having kids and that was a bit of a boost. And then I found out I was having twins and that was like a big yeah, boost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I got there and then I, I got a taste for it. And, and, and now I just want to stay there and I want to get better and better and better. Um, but, 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 you know, what, what do things do? What, what do people do wrong? I think it's all the things that we've spoken about today that they're not doing. Right. So sticking to the core area, surrounding themselves with good people, working for a good brand. Um, training, learning. Absolutely, and one of the things, I, John, I notice when I see a young person that's got uh, um, shine in their eyes and they're hungry and you can sense the energy, you know that in five years this person's going to be successful. Gotcha. Absolutely. Yeah, and I've got to say, like, um, uh, you know, uh, whether you're in another franchise group, uh, Ray White's Hookers, McGrath's, Rain and Horns, Professionals, I could go through all of them. They've all, you know, got people like that. And there are good officers and bad officers in, 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 in all networks. Um, but what you're saying is today, I hear, is the following. That uh, to be successful is that you've got to train. Absolutely. Get better. Um, uh, sweat in training so you don't bleed in battle. Wonderful saying. The next thing you're saying is association and hang around with the right people to stretch you. You touched on, don't leave your core area. Earn, earn your stripes there. Do the hard work. Don't do the fake plastic work. Queue up. Serve people. Do good work and make it easy for them to get more of you. And that can take time. Um, and that you've said that there are certain things that have happened in your life, whether it's, you know, a marriage, the birth of a child yep. or twins, yep. that these things are things that are enablers. They catapult you to the next level. And when you get a taste of it, as you said, you, you, want, you, you want to stay there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, John, do you think uh, your goals going forward, what are they? You, you, you obviously still love real estate. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, uh, we, we're so lucky that we're in an industry where I can work the hours I want. I've got, like I said earlier, I've got balance and you know, we can write as much money as we want. It's, it's up to us. You know, the sky's the limit. So, you know, my target for, for the next financial year is to, to hit the two million dollar mark. So, you know, how am I going to do that? Well, I've been doing one and a half for the last 
four odd years. So all I really need to focus on, you know, and like Shane says, he goes, you know, you can get to bed every night and, and wake up the next day knowing that you're going to do one and a half because you've been doing it with your eyes closed. Yeah. So all we need to do now is focus on the next 500. Yeah. And for that, you know, breaking it down and realising that it's an extra one and a half sales a month, which means it's an extra four listing appointments a month, which means it's an extra, you know, 10 prospecting calls a month or whatever the case is. Yeah. And just breaking it down and focusing on the 500,000 rather than $1.5 million. Alrighty, thank you very much. You've just heard from a guy that wants to write $2 million and is pretty much on track to get there. Uh, John Peranchi, Australian Business Agent of the Year in Australia. Congratulations. Thank you, John. And thank you for coming in. Thanks for having me. Thank you.